Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Hopefully that lights a fire under you if nothing else does, but um, I believe God's Word is going to. Our worship was amazing. Uh, I want to take just a few moments to thank uh, Josh, who was just here, for all the work he's done on the stage, uh, the app. He was the big driver to get the app done and uh, did a fabulous job on that. And so thank you very much, Josh, for all of that and all the other people that make things happen. Um, Next week, you guys are going to have a little bit more of a a different lighting opportunity. We're going to bring the lights up just a little bit in the room so you can see any paper uh, goods that you want to. uh, If if you're a paper Bible person, you probably want to read your Bible. Um, We'll bring the lights up just a little bit. Don't don't get excited about, you know, bright light, but excited about maybe enough to just see your your, uh, Bible. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2023. Do you remember Y2K? Everything was going to fall apart. It's just taking a lot longer to do that. Um, But Happy New Year. It's uh, very, very exciting to enter the new year. And it's always a good opportunity to uh, take a moment and just focus our hearts on the next steps in our lives and the opportunities. I hope you were able to get a hold of that message on uh, New Year's Day. Uh, If you didn't, I want to encourage you to go back and look at it because it's a really good message, even though I I preached it. I mean, it was, um, I was phenomenal. You know, it's it's, it's incredible. No, I'm just kidding. But um, it it was a great message for the the need to look back before we look forward. And so I encourage you to do that. Um, Next Sunday, immediately following our gathering, we will have a financial update meeting. So if you are interested in the finances of our church and want to know how it's going, where we're going, all those kinds of things, um, I want to encourage you to, to hang out after next Sunday's gathering, and we will uh, give you an update on how finances are going, um, the challenges and the, the, the celebrations, all those kinds of things. And then I also want to make sure that you prime your heart for the next series that we're going to preach. Um, the next series that we're going to start on January 29th will be a series called Creed, Creed, why we believe what we believe. And I believe this is going to be a foundational, powerful, um, transformative uh, series that will talk about why we believe what we believe. And here's the interesting thing. There's a, a, a culture now of what is called deconstruction deconstruction. The, the young people, especially in today's world, the Gen Z, the Gen X, the millennials, are all part of what is called a, a deconstruction culture. And what they're doing is tearing apart everything. Nothing means anything until they get an opportunity to tear it apart. And the challenge is, who is there to help them reconstruct what they've deconstructed? And so this series is going to be part of, a, uh, of an answer to questions that Gen Z, that Gen X, that millennials are asking, and that is, why? Why? We, we can get all passionate and, and say, this is what we believe, but why? And the, the, that answer is what they're interested in. 
Why do we believe what we believe? Why do we believe that the Bible is such a significant book? Why do we believe that God is God and Jesus is Jesus and the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit? Why do we believe those things? And so this series is going to be, I believe, transformational. I believe it's going to touch the hearts of especially young people. And I want to encourage you, invite, 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 invite people meet people. We'll talk about that more in just a minute, but uh, I want to encourage you, invite, because it's going to be a great series, and it's going to be full of the, the, the reasons, the why, behind the what. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And so uh, today is Vision Sunday, and uh, likely we will have these every year. We'll have this at the beginning of every year to kind of refresh everything that we are doing and where we're going and what our next steps are as a church. I'm very, very excited about this. A vision is something that I think, um, at least let me scramble your mind a little bit with some thoughts about vision. Vision is simply a preferred future. What, the future, what we want the future to look like. If you are in control of your vision, then you are the one that's deciding, what's my preferred future? What do I want my future to look like? Quite often, uh, most people re- desire a repeated past rather than, and they want to go back to the good old days, rather than look for something new in the future. Why? Because we don't like change. Most people are resistant to vision because we don't like change. We want things to stay the same or go back to where those good feelings and those good moments were, and we want to repeat those things. And that's not vision. That's just repeating the past. That's being where you've been. There's a song that said, I, I, I realize why we like to go back where we've come because at least we know we can make it through it. That's a pretty profound statement if you think about it. We want to go back because we know, I mean, even if it was messy, at least we know what to do with the mess. But we want to go forward. We want to think of a preferred future. A vision is seeing something as if it is, yet it is not yet. It's something that is going to be, but isn't yet, and we see that. A vision is not reality. It is a future reality seen within our current reality. I think that's a really healthy statement because when you understand where you are, and this is what I've done with our team, our ministry team here at Journey, I've said, first of all, let's define where we are so we know where we want to go. If you don't have a baseline, it's what I talk about in our New Year's Day message, if you don't have a baseline, you don't know where you've come, how you've achieved, what, what measure you're using to get further down the road. And vision in the church context is the next step of faith needed to fulfill the mission of the church. What is the next step of faith needed to fill the, fulfill the mission of the church? And that is what vision is. That's what vision is in our context. When we are talking today, we're talking about what is the next steps of faith that we need to take to grow the church, to to expand the mission of God, to fulfill the mission of God, which is really, truly reaching people that don't know Jesus for Christ. It's growing together in our relationship with Jesus. But out of that growth should come an effort to reach people who don't know Jesus. Amen? So the vision that God has poured into our laps is is the next step it will take to reach loved ones, co-workers, and neighbors. I want, you, I want you to hear that clearly. The vision God has poured into our laps here at Journey is the next step it will take to reach our loved ones, co-workers, and neighbors. The vision we have before us has been 
uh, written with the understanding of the predicament people are in who are far from God. If I were to title this, the, the message today, it would not just be Vision Sunday, it would be the predicament. The predicament. What is the predicament of those that are far from God? What is the situation? What's the circumstance in which they live today? Those people, the they, are the people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. What's their circumstance? What's their situation? What is the challenge that they face? As our world continues to drift from our loving God, which is true, our nation, our world is slipping away, is turning its attention away from God and turning itself, turning its own attention to itself. We must realize that the enemy's only task is to lie, steal, kill, and destroy the lives of those who are far from God. Did you hear that? The enemy's only task is to lie, steal, kill, and destroy the lives of those who are far from God. He doesn't have any control over you and me or, or, or those of us that have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. What he can do to us is distract us. He can deceive us. And he can make us, if he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. So busy that you lose your focus on the mission and so busy that you're no longer paying attention to people and you're focused on the things that are around us. So do we realize, are we moved by, are we challenged by the predicament of those who are lost in this world? Do we understand what is happening to those around us who don't know Jesus? Now you may anticipate or expect the pastor to talk about this. You may anticipate that a pastor would always talk about the lost and always talk about those that are, are not uh, in the kingdom or in the church. Well, let me tell you, I think we need to be moved by their predicament. I'm, I'm concerned. I'm, I'm not worried, but I'm, I'm uh, burdened by the reality of our community, the people around us. John 10.10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might, may have life and have it to the full. There's two polar opposite concepts there. Two polar opposite realities in that passage of Scripture. And one is that there's a destructive intent by the enemy and there is a life to the full and that i've preached about that before but the life to the full means an abundant life a life far beyond our imaginations of blessing and hope and joy and peace and comfort and all those things and our world is not in it today i was unfortunately in the home or not in the home but in a hospital with a young family of a 17 year old boy who took his life this week Seeing the, the grief and the mourning and all those things, realizing that this young man had no hope. He believed the lie. He believed, and the enemy was successful in destroying and killing his life. That's the world we live in. That's the predicament that those that don't have Jesus face. 
John 8, 44 says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The predicament of, our, of people who do not know Jesus and do know, who do not believe in God's word, who do not understand the truth, is that they're being lied to and deceived and told that they can run their own lives, that they can make a way to their own heaven, they can make a way to their own success and joy and peace, but it's a lost cause. It's a lie. The only thing that brings hope in this world is Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I want to make one thing super clear right here. This passage, this John 8, passage, was written or spoken to religious people. It was not spoken to lost people. I mean, it was spoken to lost people, but it was spoken to Sadducees and Pharisees, the most religious of their day. And he was speaking to them. Jesus was speaking to them. These are red-letter words. You belong to your father, the devil, you, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. And he's calling these religious people the, the, father, the, the father of lies' sons. You're, you belong to your father, the devil. Let's not be religious, Amen. Let's not be the people that are putting burdens and of, of rules and regulations and all those kinds of things on people's hearts and, and, and minds and spirits. That's what Jesus was calling out. And they were rejecting him as the Savior, claiming that he, that Jesus was the liar. And Jesus called him out. And we will call out anybody who wants to be religious more than they want to have Jesus as a, in a relationship. Amen? Amen? So what's happening to those around us? Their people are being fooled into believing that the pleasures of this life are enough. Sometimes Christians fall into this trap of believing that the more we have, the better off we are. And I'm not saying it's bad to have, but if we have for ourselves. If we have for ourselves and if we keep things to ourselves, then we're not using the things that God's given us for his mission. We will be challenged this year, I believe, more than ever to live outside of ourselves, to live outside of who we are and what we are for and live, make sure that we are abandoning ourselves and living solely for Jesus Christ. And I make no apologies for that calling because that's the Jesus calling. That's not the Ricardo calling. That's not the Journey Church calling. That's the Jesus calling is to give ourselves to the mission of God and use every tool, everything that we have to our, uh, uh, within our reach to use it for his glory and to reach this world for Jesus Christ. People are fooled into believing that this is all there is. So get all you can now. Enjoy every moment. Put, put everything that you want into your body. And have every experience you want because this is all you're going to get. So grab a hold of it now. They are fooled into believing that if they, did, they do good enough or enough good, that they can earn their way to some kind of afterlife if there is one. 
People are far, people far from God do not know what is happening to their lives. People don't know. It's kind of the frog in the pot, right? You put a frog in a cold water in the, in the pot, but you turn the heat on, and pretty soon that frog is completely unaware that it's dying and will die in that pot as the heat grows. People are lost. For a while I was told, hey, don't say lost because people don't like that. It's offensive. You tell a lost person that you're lost, but they don't know that they're lost and they think they know their way. It hurts their feelings. Hey, you're lost. No, I just like the life that I'm living. No, you're lost. That's offensive. Luke 19 says, 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those that got their feelings hurt. No, he came to seek and to save the lost, you and me, us and them. He came to come and find the lost. And that's the predicament that they're in. Our world today, love is conditional, grace is not given. Everything that you get has to be earned. Forgiveness is not experienced. Guilt, shame, and judgment is the characteristic of our world today. It's not the Jesus world. And so what happens when we're faced with the predicament? What happens when we're faced with the reality that there are hundreds and thousands of people that don't know Jesus, that are out there being fooled like I've described, that are out there listening to the lies of the father of lies, that are out there not understanding that they are being uh, channeled into this, this corral of sin and, and, and degradation and they're being taken advantage of by the enemy. What do we do? What do we do? We must respond to the predicament of those that are far from God like Jesus did. I want to read you Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. First of all, we could ask ourselves, are we doing that? But then he said, that, then, he, then, then this happened. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then immediately he does this. Then he said to his disciples, he looked to those following him. And he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So he's going around, he's ministering to people, he's working miracles, he's delivering people from their sin, he's offering up, he's, he's, he's casting out demons, he's healing lame people and deaf people in all kinds of different circumstances. He's doing all of this work and then he sees these crowds and he's moved, he's moved to action, he's moved to call people to action. Why? Because he understands that they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Are we willing to notice the world's predicament? Jesus, right here, going through town to town, doing crazy things, healing people, helping people, serving people, all those kinds of things. He's doing great things. And he looks on the crowd. And he's not going, oh, this is amazing. 
He's moved with compassion. Because he sees the predicament of people. And what does he do? He leans over to his disciples who are following him and says, you guys get to work. You guys start praying for people to help with you because there are so many people that need Jesus, that need this message, that need this touch of God, that need this power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives, that need the deliverance, that need the hope. They're harassed and helpless. They don't know. They don't even know what's going on until they're confronted with the truth that Jesus is the way. Until they know that, they will never know they're lost. They must be told, and they must have someone to tell them. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's true today. It's true today that we, the church, need to repent and say, God, forgive us for getting so distracted with the things of this world, so distracted that we are focusing so much on ourselves that we're not focusing on the people that need Jesus the most. Jesus was moved with compassion. And I believe the big shift, the big shift here at Journey is this. And we'll talk about it more in the coming weeks. But the big shift is that we see people who are not obviously lost. Not just the homeless and the needy. You see, I think here's a tragedy that's happening in the church today. And I don't, what I'm about to say is going to be uncomfortable. Okay? Because it doesn't completely make total sense. The needy, the people on the street corners, the people with the cardboard signs, absolutely they need Jesus. So please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. And there are so many ministries and outreaches to them that I guarantee you most of them could quote more scripture than you and I could. In some cases, not every case. But there are people that we don't see but that we do see on a regular basis. Those that aren't holding the signs. Those that are living in comfortable homes. Those that aren't paying attention to anything but themselves. Those that aren't uh, connected to any church. Those that today is the day where more people are not in the church, they're out of the church. The devil has a bigger church than we do. It's a reality. And it's not just the people on the street corners. It's thousands of people in homes today that have no concept or no priority to put Jesus first in their lives. It's your neighbor. It's your coworker. It's your family member that we have stopped paying attention to because we're busy. Or we focus so much on the obvious that we've stopped even paying attention to the less obvious. So don't misunderstand me. I believe that we need to meet the needs of the needy. Those that are sitting on the street corners. But we also have thousands and thousands of people that don't know Jesus. Not because they're mentally ill or don't have a home, but because no one's shared Jesus with them. We think that the comfortable are comfortable and we don't see the need that they have. But if we understand this picture, 
the harassed and the helpless, they are the same. They are in the same predicament. We have to understand that. We have to know that. We have to, to, to have compassion on that, that concept because every person we look at in our world today who doesn't know Jesus, who is far from God, is in the same predicament as anybody who's sitting on a street corner who is far from God. That's the big shift. That's the big change of thought is to reach those that are less obvious in need than those that are obviously in need. It's the big shift that you'll see as we continue to develop and shape and mold kind of the ministry of journey. We're going to do everything we can to try it and, and somehow engage that culture, those people. They're friends of ours. They're co-workers of ours. They're family members of ours. And we have to to stop seeing their comfort and start seeing their need. And their need is simply Jesus. He was moved by the predicament of the helpless and the harassed. He immediately said, we must tell them, reach them, touch them. We must pray for people to get involved in the mission of the church. I'm praying, and I've been praying all the time as a pastor. We, 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 we're, we, we sometimes feel a little lonely because sometimes it feels as, as though um, we're, we're the, the, the lone carriers of the burden of the mission. And I'll say this. The mantle of mission must be worn by the entirety of the church. All of us. I'm simply part of a body. I happen to talk a lot more than most. But I'm simply part of this body of people that God has put together, and we all must carry the mantle of the burden of the mission of God. Every one of us should be moved by our compassion for the lost to get involved, to do whatever it takes, to do whatever it means, to get involved. If you're sitting on the bench, it's time to get off of it. Not because Pastor Ricardo is calling you out, but God is. And saying, get involved. You're part of the body. Answer the call. Be all in. Don't be part in, part out. Don't be the convenient and the inconvenient. Get involved. And when you do, you'll never regret it. Luke 19, 44, 41 we see Jesus again as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city. He wept over it. He wept over it. Jesus coming into Jerusalem, getting ready for the, the crucifixion. He walks and he walks to some ledge and he, he looks over the city and he starts crying and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. Days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. Does that sound like the predicament of the lost? They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. The predicament of the lost. The reason 
for a vision, the reason for the next step in our shape and molding of Journey Church Ventura, the reason for shifting our attention to, from ourselves to the, those outside our walls, shifting our attention from our own comfort to our, whatever makes us uncomfortable to answer the call of God. Jesus wept over the people of Jerusalem. Why? Because they rejected him. No different than our world today. There are many people out there that have just said no to Jesus. They've had an opportunity and they said no. They need to be asked again and again and again and again. They need to be introduced to genuine, authentic people who love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And they need to be introduced to that hope and that joy that we have because no matter what happens, recession, pandemic, war, earthquakes, storms, a few raindrops on our head, whatever, it doesn't steal the joy. Steal the joy from our hearts to know that we have a relationship, an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. What you have in your hands and the, the sheet that you were given that says the 2020, uh, 2023 vision narrative was born out of this passion to be like Jesus. To weep over the, the people that are lost. To weep over the people that are helpless and harassed. To weep over the people that need the gospel message of Jesus Christ. For our friends, our co-workers, our family members are all without God. At least those that don't know him. And we must answer the call. My, my prayer and my question today is, are you all in? Are you all into the mission of God I'm not asking you to do me any favors or to do anybody else any favors, but I am asking, are you all in to answer the call of God? You'll see in the statement that we say, we see a church who, and this is everything that we see, a vision. We see a church who understands the predicament of those far from God and responds just as Jesus did with tears, compassion, and sacrifice. We see a church who is laser-focused on others, caring more about them than ourselves, exampling, and it is not about me culture. That's something that I pray hits our hearts hard. That as we grow in our faith, it should become less about me and more about Jesus and more about those that need Christ in their lives. We are laser-focused on, on prayer, and we will continue to, to focus on that discipline and that practice of calling out to God on behalf of these people, the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing can be accomplished without the Holy Spirit working in and through us. A detailed, and this sounds not, not very fun, not very fancy, but listen, we, are, are, we see a church who is laser focused on a detailed system of follow-up and communication to help accommodate quicker and more effect, effective engagement. This is huge. And it doesn't sound very fancy or anything like that, but systems make a difference in growth. And if we don't have good systems, we won't grow. People will come and they will go because they don't get connected with, they don't have an opportunity to engage. They don't have a, a, an opportunity to build relationships and those systems are really, really important. I won't read all of these, 
We see a church who offers people an opportunity for community and growth at an online campus where time and place are available at their convenience. Believe it or not, more people know more about our church before they ever get here because they've been online. And instead of treating that as an advertisement of what we do, it's going to be a place of ministry. An online campus will be something that we host and that we have pastors for and that people are being pastored as they visit us online, whether that's here in town or across the country or across the world. The beauty of that opportunity is that we can minister to people online. And so we're going to give energy and effort and resources to that. Use social media and digital content as a ministry tool, not not just a marketing tool. There's opportunity to do all kinds of things on social media. Go, uh, we see a church who goes above and beyond making our guests not feel like VIPs, but family. Takes people, involvement, takes warmth and welcoming faces to make that happen. We see, uh, I guess I might read out this whole thing. We see a church who has groups. We see a church who has groups who serve together while building community with each other. What's new about that concept is that we've, we've tried to put people in, in, in groups, in homes, and restaurants and all those kinds of things, but every group that serves, our production team, our first impressions team, all of those are groups. Any, anywhere where there's an opportunity to build relationship, we're going to call that a group. We see a church who provides environments for men, women, and families that offer moments of community while gathering around life skills and felt needs. Yes, guys, the girls have had their gatherings. We're going to have our own. We see a yeah. I know there's some guys clapping their hands. Let's eat meat. We see a church who partners with parents monthly to grow in relationship and community as well as develop <clears throat> discipleship skills for their children. The first Monday of every month, Captain Rebecca is getting all the parents together to talk and and the kids and have a a, a cooperative or, or a connected experience with their kids in learning what's going to come for the rest of the month in the discipleship process. We want to partner with parents. We see a church who provides environments for men and women to gather around their own needs and interests. We see a church who has young middle schoolers excited to grow in in their own relationship with Jesus each week. We see a church who has middle school leaders that partner with parents to help them foster further growth with their student throughout the week. That's the vision. The vision is to shift our attention from ourselves to others and to do everything we can to make it possible for people who don't know Jesus to come to know him. And there's unique ways that we will do that. There's unique challenges that it will create for us. There's some uncomfortable moments that we may have. No matter what, we're going to do whatever it takes to reach people who are far from God. Amen? Amen. Are you all in? All right. Will you stand with me and let's pray and let's ask God to infuse our hearts with the same compassion that he had when he looked over that city, that he had when he looked over those crowds and that we would be moved like he was moved, that we would become like he was so that we can make a difference in our world. You and I are the result of Jesus doing everything he could over 2,000 years ago to die for us.
Now, what can we do for others to show others that love? That's the big question. Father God, thank you so much for this all-in group, for this all-in church, for this body of people that you've put together, Lord, so that we could do everything possible to reach our world. I pray that, Lord, as we begin to offer up opportunities to get involved, that you will infuse the desire, Lord, to give up what it is about ourselves and give everything to meet the needs of others that don't know you. Lord, I believe that we're going to share life together. I believe that we're going to pray together. I believe that we're going to care for each other. But Lord, as we care for each other, may we care for each other so that we can make a difference in this world. I pray your anointing on every heart and every mind as we focus on people, prayer, the power of the Holy Spirit and processes that make a difference. I pray that you help us, Lord, to find a place for everybody in this room that we might collectively make a difference. I thank you and I praise you for that. God, I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to move in us and help us not be a lazy church, help us not be a church about ourselves, but help us be a church about your mission. We give you praise and honor and glory. One last comment. If you're here today, either on site or online, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is what we're all about offering you that opportunity to accept Christ into your life today simply by saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sin and accepting that forgiveness. Jesus, I believe that you were raised from the dead and realizing that you have eternal life to look forward to and committing to follow him for the rest of your life. If that's you today and you want to say the simple prayer to accept Jesus into your life today, repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I accept that forgiveness into my life because of what you did on the cross. I believe that you were raised from the dead and I have eternal hope that I will spend eternity with you and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. Jesus, thank you for being my Savior and I accept you today as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.